Welcome to the Finding a Job Podcast, a Ben J. Schaap LLC production. In this podcast, we share the stories of world-class business leaders as they discuss their professional journeys, job search strategies, and tactics that have led them to career success. If you're looking to find a fulfilling, well-paying career path, this podcast will unearth the tools and tips you need to expedite your learning curve and avoid common roadblocks that face people entering the working world. Now here's the host of the Finding a Job podcast, Jacob Billings. Welcome to the Finding a Job podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Billings. Joining us today is Latonya, a recent graduate from Clark Atlanta University and Northeastern University with degrees in mathematics and industrial engineering. She is passionate about empowering underrepresented students to pursue STEM careers and is interested in social entrepreneurship. So it's great to have you on the podcast today, Latonya. Yes, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so unlike the other guests that I've had on the show, I have literally never met you once. So audience, bear that in mind. But the first question that I normally ask my guests is, what are the career paths you're considering? You just graduated. What is the career path that you're thinking about right now? So throughout undergrad, I was fortunate enough to have multiple internships and co-ops. My first internship was with a consulting firm, namely Accenture. And then after that, I spent two summers interning at Hallmark and their supply chain. And that's really what industrial engineering is all about. You know, most industrial engineers you'll find working for manufacturing companies or just anything involving supply chain management. So for a long time, it's been a back and forth consideration between consulting or, again, a more traditional industrial engineering approach and going into the manufacturing world which I did enjoy, but consulting definitely felt like a better fit for me. And so that's the career path that I, you know, went for. And my last co-op that I had here at Northeastern was at PwC in their mergers and acquisitions group. And that is actually where I accepted a full-time offer. So the career that I'll be taking is in consulting. And I think it's a great start just to, you know, learn more about business for me specifically, just because, again, my degrees are in math and in industrial engineering. So my business exposure is limited. And ultimately, I would love to go into social entrepreneurship. I have so many great ideas, or I'm a little bit biased, but I'm going to call them great ideas when it comes to, you know, businesses I like to start, apps I'd like to help develop. So I think consulting is just kind of like a good way for me to start my professional career, get to know people from all over, and just, of course, make money and travel and learn. But ultimately, I definitely want to take everything that I learned from this experience and, you know, find a way to make the impact that I'd like to make in the world. So really cool. So yeah, you picked consulting over the traditional engineering path, like you said, which is manufacturing. Yeah. Why? Was that because of the internships that you did? Was it because of any people that came up in your life? I would definitely say a little bit of both, especially the people who I met while I was at these companies. Long story short, whenever you go into a lot of these engineering roles, especially at companies like Hallmark or like, you know, just 
big companies that you could think of, whether it's aerospace or again, just retail products. A lot of times they've been there for so long. The leadership has been there for quite some time. And so it can feel limiting, or at least that's how it felt for me. It seems like to me, it felt that in consulting, everything was way more fast paced. You're constantly on different projects, constantly having an opportunity to work with an entirely different group of people, which is completely contrast to, you know, when you're working in, again, more, I guess, just because I hate to use the word older, but just companies that have been around for longer or are just focused on one product. You know, if you go in and you're the project manager for this one product, then for a long amount of time, you're probably going to be working on that one product with that one team. And that's perfectly fine. But just for me, I just like to switch gears. I like to learn new things and work with new groups. And so consulting just appealed to me much more. And, you know, while I was in my manufacturing roles, I talked to a lot of people. And that's something that I definitely do at any company that I've ever worked at is just take the time to really network and have one-on-one conversations with everyone from leadership to, you know, your peers who are more at entry-level positions or working in positions that have nothing to do with the job that you do because you never know, you know, what insight you can get from someone around you that can inform the next decision that you make. Honestly, it was a discussion that I had with a mentor in my experience at Hallmark that made me feel that, you know, it's okay for you to want to go and do consulting. I think that's something that people have to realize is that there's no one option. There's no one correct choice. And you're the only one at the end of the day who gets to decide what you want to do for your career. So just because your degree is one thing or because you have an advisor that strongly thinks you should do X, Y, Z. If you have a passion or a desire to do something, you should probably just go do that one thing because I definitely know it's true about myself that I do not work as well when I'm not passionate about what I'm doing. So I think that's what made me know that this was the right fit. Yeah, with that in mind, were you kind of lucky to find the mentor that did have the same mindsets and whatnot as you? I was very fortunate enough to find that mentor. And I will just put this out there and say it as a black woman, sometimes it's hard to feel that people who are not like you can really understand like the different nuances or just challenges. And so I I would say that one thing that I think was unique about this mentor that I'm thinking of, she was at the VP level at this company and again, looked like me and made me feel that, you know what, like there is space for you in this realm. You are good enough to do X, Y, and Z because, you know, we hear all the time the importance of having just diversity, whether that be for women, whether that be for, again, your ethnicity, your religion, or even your sexual orientation. A lot of times I find that when I look back over my life, the best mentors that I've had, at least for me, who were able to give me the best advice were people who could relate to me more, whether, again, as a woman or as a minority person whatever the case may be, I think the closer you can relate to your mentor, the better advice that they can give to you because they actually understand, you know, what challenges you may have that go into decisions that you have to make, whether that be financial or just anything, honestly. So that's one thing that I would say about having a good mentor. 
a thousand percent. I mean, it seems like from someone who literally doesn't know you that, you know, she understood where you were coming from, right? And the thing with mentors is that, like you said, you really want to find someone who embodies where you want to be and who you want to be. Yeah. And so, you know, having someone like that who can help you trust in yourself and push you down the career path that deep down you want to pursue, it's really important. Um, one thing that is interesting about you is this social entrepreneurship side of things. Can you talk more about applying industrial engineering to that space? Absolutely. So the way that I actually found out about this, this past semester, I was invited to go to the Africa Business Conference held at Harvard Business School. And it's an entire weekend of events where people from African countries come all the way to Harvard to just discuss different things that are going on in the African business climate. Startups, there's a startup competition, a new venture competition, I'll call it. And being in that space and being around people, because of course it was mostly business majors, but majors or not even majors, because most of these people were professionals. It's a professional conference, not really for students. But the people who I met were from various backgrounds as far as what they did study in school or what they were doing in the business world. But the things, whether it was at the new venture competition or in just networking at the conference, I found myself most interested in people who used their knowledge or the things that they were passionate about to make an impact. For example, there was a company that had just recently started that provided blood because in certain countries in Africa, you may need a specific type of blood and not know that a hospital right up the road has it because that's, they just don't communicate with each other in that way in that hospital sector. Like there's no communication. And so a business again, started to help hospitals to communicate and know who has what blood, start a blood bank, and just solve problems like that. And so realizing like, wait, I can use my talents to make a difference, whether that's to bring money into a community, bring opportunities into a community, or just solve problems. I just think that social entrepreneurship gives you the opportunity to, again, just make an impact. Because again, you're doing entrepreneurship that is meant to have a social impact. So again, that could be something tangible or a service, but whatever the case may be, I just feel that that's what I'm most interested in. I think it's almost instant gratification to know that you have made a difference. I think the biggest thing that I remember coming from that conference or one of the most impactful quotes was someone who said, you know, I'd rather help a billion people than make a billion dollars. And in this time, I think that was a very powerful thing to say and definitely is what I hold on to as far as being the motivating factor as to why I think this is what I want to pursue. And the person who I'm thinking of as far as this podcast, he told me he was originally working at Goldman Sachs and consulting and had the passion to make a difference, wasn't sure how he was going to do it and just happened to be volunteering with this nonprofit. And someone who he was volunteering with mentioned that that same nonprofit was going to be opening up a sector in South Africa to do the same work, but in South Africa, and was mentioning, like, we're looking for people to go, you know, if you're interested, or if you think you can contribute, let us know. And he ended up being able to take 
a leadership role at the nonprofit, which ultimately became his new business venture. And so again, like I'm going into consulting, but you never know who you can meet along the way to connect you to your greater passion or your greater purpose. So that just, again, goes to say, it's not always what you know, but who you know, because even the opportunity to go to that conference I was in consulting club and someone who happened to be in the meeting just approached me after like, would you be interested in this? So again, like these are so many opportunities for myself and others that just come from being positioned in the right place. You know, if you position yourself and let people know what it is that you're trying to accomplish, you'll accomplish that or meet people. But I'm interested in social entrepreneurship and looking forward to figuring out just how that will happen, but it'll happen. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting with the consulting club because we're going to try and get Daniel on the podcast. And so, yeah, I think he's in the calendar. But a lot of takeaways from that. A, it's not what you know, but who you know. That definitely resonated with me. And then what you were talking about with social entrepreneurship is really interesting. And I love what you said about the person who said they'd rather impact a billion people's lives, was it, than make a billion dollars. I mean, it's interesting we're living in this climate that really is starting to change in a good way. And how, you know, business school, they don't just teach you bottom line anymore, they teach you double and then triple. So one thing that I'm really interested with you is, do you feel that some way to combine consulting with social entrepreneurship? And if so, is that the long term career path? You know, I've thought to myself how possible or if and how that would be possible. And the simple answer is, of course, I definitely think it's possible. The question is just how, because when you think of consulting, it's you offering your abilities, your professional insight, your capabilities to another group, whether that be to offer them advice, solve a problem for them, or, you know, whatever the case may be, you're offering your help. And when we think of social entrepreneurship, again, that's starting a business or starting something that is going to create a social impact. How could I use my knowledge, my skills to empower people to do that or empower another entity to go forth with social entrepreneurship? I'm sure that that's absolutely possible. In fact, one thing that I was thinking about is it's probably important or not even probably, but it is important along the way to realize the value in partnering with other groups or with other people to accomplish something. For example, having a partner that has a stronger business background than me and starting a business would probably work out better or it would be much easier than if I were to just do that on my own. But outside of partnerships, I do think that there's a way to do social entrepreneurship as a consultant. And what comes to mind right now is when I was at that conference and watching the new venture competition, there was a lot of times when people were being asked questions about just financial implications or how is that feasible, or even just their presentations. You know, whenever you're in a consulting background, you know how to spot the issues in a PowerPoint presentation. Being an entry-level consulting, you are like an expert PowerPoint developer, essentially. And so at the very basic level, I think the easiest thing that I could think of as far as how I could consult or contribute to 
uh, social entrepreneurship is providing that sort of thing because being able to communicate your ideas, whether it's visually, the visualization, PowerPoints, or just, again, being able to communicate the right information is important. And so when I think about, again, the experience that I've had in mergers and acquisitions in my consultant role, it makes a whole lot of sense to apply that same information or the same change management to people who are setting forth to start businesses. So that was a really long way of me thinking my way through the answer, which is yes, simply to help with the more administrative presentation and communication things. But, you know, from this conversation, I'm definitely going to be pondering over the next few nights, like, how can I do that? Because I love consulting. Honestly, I had like family members from home. I have a relative who's like a captain in the police department. And he's messaged me just a simple Excel sheet of like survey results. Like, hey, can you please turn this into charts? I don't know how. And you'd be surprised how many people need help with just simple things like that. And so I know that there's the opportunity to do it. It's just, again, thinking it through and then presenting yourself as being able to do those things. Yeah, one question I have for you is, so you've accepted that you're going to work at PwC. And for now, at least you're going to be in the consulting space. Some of the people I brought on want to be in the startup space. And in today's day and age, everyone is preaching startups, design thinking, you know, all these terms that can really be intimidating if you are entering your career for the first time. Does it resonate with you in some way? Do you feel that you're going to create your own thing or you don't need to follow the trend? Do you understand that PwC is a great company and you can learn from it, et cetera, et cetera? No, I absolutely am interested in the startup space. So much came to mind whenever you began to ask this question. For one, going to Clark Atlanta, which is an HBCU or a historically black college and university, one of the things that I really got from being in that atmosphere, because Clark Atlanta almost shares a campus with Morehouse College and Spelman College, if any of the listeners have heard of those, that's what I'm talking about. So being in that environment, both the students and the professors all give this air of, you know, it's not good enough to work for somebody else. Like you have to have your own thing. I think most students in that environment have this idea, like I have to have my own business. And there's so many students who I was colleagues with or going to classes with who started businesses along the way, especially, you know, in this day and age, e-commerce is so easy starting, whether it's a t-shirt business or a makeup business. I've seen so many students go on to make very crazy amounts of money in small amounts of time just by taking their small ideas or seemingly small ideas and it just blowing up. So from very early on in college, I've known that I have to have my own business. I need to have my own business. It's just been figuring out what that is. And to be honest, I've had one that I've come up with along the way. I went so far as to like buying the domain name and getting the logo, but being an engineering and math major, and I've also always served in different leadership positions. I've been a pretty busy student, so it's been hard to do that for myself right now. But yes, definitely along the way, I see myself wanting to pursue just a lot of things. Again, I have an app in mind that I want the same business 
that I was just mentioning. And to be honest, that one was more so just a brand because what really excited me about this podcast is I'm definitely interested in being like a motivational speaker, being able to speak at conferences or being able to speak to students and just share all the knowledge that I wish that I had along the way. And then even beyond that, again, going back to social entrepreneurship, I know that there's so many things that I like to do with that. And so it wasn't until working at PwC again in mergers and acquisitions that I got familiar with so many of those terms. To be honest, when I got the internship or the co-op, I didn't even know what M&A stood for because as a non-business major, you don't have to know that. So I didn't know what M&A was until my first day. And I realized like, oh, okay, this is what I'm doing. Because when you do your interview, most people don't realize this, but going into consulting, they really just want to see that you're the type of person who can get the job done. You know, it's about how you communicate. How do you think? How do you work? Are you diligent? Are you okay with ambiguity? So again, I was able to get all the way into the office before finding out what M&A meant, just because it wasn't even listed in the job position, not that I remember. Either way, that being said, being in a space where every day I'm around people who are talking about new ventures or investment banking and just all these terms that were just so intimidating and unfamiliar to me. So it was a big knowledge gap and I'm still learning. That's what I've enjoyed about being a part of Consulting Club. I've picked up books. I've joined email lists like, uh, what is it? The Morning Brew, all these different things to try to just familiarize myself and surround myself with the information that I feel that I need to be armed with in order to, you know, feel confident to step into that new venture world. Because as you mentioned, it's very popular. It's very competitive. You have to be on your stuff. So it's something that definitely excites me. It's something that I've always been interested in, even before I knew how to speak the language. And I just definitely look forward to continuing to have conversations and dig up the information that I need along the way. And honestly, I'm not opposed to going back to school. I'm interested in getting an MBA if I feel that that's what I would need to empower me and give me the tools that I need to go after starting up a business. So, yeah. No, I mean, we really do appreciate having you as a guest, right? And I haven't told this to my listeners, but it's the same thing with me, right? Just from the reality of things, there probably aren't going to be a lot of people who listen to the first episodes of the podcast, right? But in some ways, that's a good thing, because it means that I can practice being a podcast host um, to the point where when it does start getting, you know, thousands, tens of thousands, potentially, of listeners per month, right, then I'm equipped. And I can definitely sense the same thing in you, right? Because with startups, so many people just go in cold, without any mentor, without any expert advice. And because of that, it's kind of like they're just walking in the dark, hoping that things are going to work. But it's interesting to hear about PwC and whatnot, because if e commerce is something that you're interested in, then you can help with mergers and acquisitions when it comes to e commerce, right? And then you can understand more about that industry. And then, you know, hey, apply consulting and industrial engineering to that and find a business partner. And I don't want to take the words out of your mouth. But, you know, I can definitely relate. Another question for you if you having a startup down the line is what you want to do, why do you think that space is a fit for you? 
I think it's a fit for me because I am a natural born leader. I always want to be in charge. I always want to feel like I'm making a difference. And I feel that, as you said, like not everyone can do it. It takes courage. It takes giving yourself time to get the information that you need. And then again, being just vigilant about it. I'm sure most people know that most startup businesses fail within the first couple of years. And so it's just, you have to be the type of person that believes in yourself and your idea and, you know, just goes for it. And I just feel that I've gone through so many things. And once I'm able to reach the point of starting a business, whether on my own or with business partners, I feel that, you know, I not only have the passion and the grit, but again, just me as a person, this is just what I love to do. That's also kind of what made me certain that I wanted to go into consulting just because project management and being in charge of making sure that all the moving pieces come together for a perfectly oiled machine is just something that that I'm good at. And so I think that if anybody can do it, then it just has to be me. And that's not something that I'm saying to be narcissistic in any way. But, you know, sometimes you have to sit there and have a pep talk with yourself. Like, I'm going to do this. Like, who's stopping me from doing this? If not anyone else, then it has to be me. You know what I'm saying? So it takes that courage. And I definitely feel that that's, I have it. I mean, one thing that's interesting is when you brought up belief. And there is always someone in a worse situation than you who has accomplished what you want to accomplish, right? So one of my mentors, he's actually younger than me and has made seven figures from his digital marketing agency. And he just had quite a challenging upbringing where he moved to London after abuse from his father back at home with his mother, um, struggled in London. Then mother found someone new who was very wealthy So he got very integrated into the London wealthy lifestyle um, and then had it all taken away from him when he found out that this person was getting divorced. And this all happened, you know, by the time that he was, I think, 15 years old. And he realized that, you know, look, me and my mom are literally going to be homeless if I don't do something to change this. And so that is what spurred him on his path and he started off as a gym trainer through literally just using instagram to message fitness influencers and read you know all the personal training information and from there he started to work with gyms on their social media and then from that he started to build up his marketing agency and the rest is history the moral of the story there is always someone worse than you who's in the worst situation that can do it so you why not have that belief my follow-up question to this is you have this belief, you know that you want to be a leader and you're passionate about what you do. What are you doing to get experience so that you will have your business down the line? Well, one, I just want to say that I actually appreciate you sharing that story of your friend because one thing that I want to say, and I you know, skipped the all my life story, but just to the listeners, I know that I come from a place where the things that I do now, if I told myself, my family, that I'd be doing these things when I was younger, I would never have believed it. I just mean to say that you do not have to come from 
wealthy background. You don't have to come from a background of parents who went to college. Just being able to overcome, again, I just think that whenever you overcome things, whenever you develop something on your own, whenever you just accomplish things that you know that, like, this wasn't a walk in the park. Like, I climbed this mountain and now I'm at the top. It just makes you feel that much better about it. And I feel like that's what propels you to keep going for it. I think that it's the people who have the most hardships that somehow make something of themselves that have an easier time to just keep climbing, you know, like the ability to just not get jaded, not quit. There's been so many times where it would have been easier to quit. Even in my last semester, I didn't know how I was going to get paid for it. It got paid for. So the self-discovery. Yeah. 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 I appreciated that story. And I had a professor that even said, it's in times where you're being challenged, where you feel like you're being treated wrong or life just isn't fair. And it, when you push through, that's when you show the world what you're made of. And so to the listeners, just show the world what you're made of. Like, don't be dismayed by challenging experiences or failures. But yeah. It's such a good point. But I was actually just talking about this on the previous episode. There's an author of a book called The Miracle Morning that one of our previous guests brought up. And in this book, it talks about whatever it is that you want to achieve. You want to have insane belief that it is going to happen, right? That it's no longer just a goal. It's your mission to make whatever this thing, you know, happen, come true. But then at the same time, having detachment from the outcome. So that just came to mind when you brought that up. Yes, absolutely. And speaking of books, that goes right back to the question that we were on, which was, you know, what am I doing to get to that next phase? It's one, just believing that it's going to happen, whether that's, very soon down the line or further down the line. It's one, the fact that I already know that I have a business. I already know that I have multiple businesses. In fact, it's just something that you have to kind of claim for yourself. Now, about the practical things to actually get to that point, I would say one, you can never arm yourself with enough information. And I mean that in multiple ways. So of course, there's lots of great business books out there or just as far as leadership development one of my favorites, I don't know if it was the 19 or the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. I feel like um, reading that with a mentor that I had was the first thing that kind of helped me to understand the practical things that you can do or the ways that you need to shape your mindset in order to, you know, go forth and be the leader that you want to be. So I would first say, you know, of course, reading books. And when I say reading books, I don't just mean about, you know, the very specific goal that you have, I think that it's important for you to take a very wide approach. For example, I've purchased different Harvard Business Review books on things from like the basics of business finance to just other business related things. Because again, that's a knowledge gap that I'm trying to close for myself. I've read leadership development books like the one that I mentioned or other mindset books like Think and Grow Rich. Like there's the classics that everyone's heard of or again, just newer ones. I think it's important to read books like that. But another thing that I think it's important for people to do is read self-help books, whether it's autobiographies from people who you look up to or just more comical books. I don't know what language, what PG language we're using here, but there's actually a book called You Are a 
bad A word that I read recently. And I think that it was such a great book because yes, along the way you will be discouraged. Yes, along the way you will fail at something. Yes, along the way you may just be depressed. Mental health is important. So whether it's that you actually need a counselor or just that you have one of those books that's just going to motivate you, don't hesitate to read those type of books too. Definitely make time for reading. It's hard. But one thing that I can say is in addition to listening to podcasts like this one, I always listen to audiobooks when I go on road trips or during commuting. So if you have a podcast like this one that you're already listening to, that's great. But, you know, for longer trips, I would definitely encourage audiobooks just because it's just an easy way to just check something else off the list that you've read or that you've done if you don't have the time to just really sit and learn from a book. But other than reading, I would say that I definitely try to, again, put myself in the right environment to learn from the people that I need to learn from or to meet and network with the people that I need to learn from, like going to that business conference at Harvard Business School or networking at work events. One thing, when I was on my co-op, I never missed a social event, whether it was a going away party at a restaurant or the annual kickball tournament, or just, again, the more office-friendly ones, such as a lunch and learn, or PwC has this thing called Bagel Friday. So any opportunity that there is for me to go network and meet people and ask questions, I'm going to do that. And asking questions, oh my gosh, that's a huge one. Always, always, always ask questions you know, and be willing to get feedback too. Um, I think it's important to be open to receiving feedback. Me being a sensitive person, that can sometimes be difficult. But one bit of advice that I've gotten is, you know, never get offended by somebody who's in a position to help you. You know what I mean? If somebody can help you, nine times out of 10, they're not going to say anything to put you down, or they're not going to say anything that if you were to listen to that advice, whether it was presented in a way that you're thrilled about or whether you get the feedback in a way that you're not so thrilled about. If somebody's in a position that can help you, if you just take a second and hear, what is it that I was supposed to learn from this situation? That will propel you far. And there's times where I can look back and think like that was not fun to get that feedback or that you know, was a tough pill to swallow to even ask for the feedback. But sometimes you need it. And again, asking for feedback is sometimes important because you all have great managers who are all about it and are willing to help you learn the things that you need to learn for yourself. And then there's other managers or other people who you'll work with who won't be as eager to tell you how you're performing or tell you ways that you can improve. But I think it's an important thing to do along the way to just ask like, hey, is there anything that I could be doing better or you know, would you want to work with me again if you had the opportunity to? Or would you be okay with me being your manager? If not, why? Like, you know, it's important for you to just know where you stand. I mean, it seems like the three points you mentioned are, you know, information through books or audiobooks or podcasts, going to social events, and then also asking questions, right? And the encapsulating point there, to me at least, is just being around great people. And the same mentor that I, you know, brought up, previously with that whole backstory 
he says, you know, you don't have business problems, you have personal problems that are being represented in your business, right? And this is one of the reasons why people love entrepreneurship is because it really is about self discovery and, you know, going through all of those really, really challenging things. And so it's interesting because you're the first person who has brought up something like that as something to do to get experience, right? A lot of people will say, you know, oh, I'm going to get internships and all these things. But I think, A, like, you know, we've talked about already, just having belief in yourself and then B, literally just doing something as simple as reading self-help books and whatnot, that will help because it adds to your character and the stronger you are as an individual, you know, the stronger business you're going to have, right? Absolutely. Yeah. My next question for you is now you've graduated college, right? How do you feel about starting work at PwC and just entering the working world in general, right? What excites you? What's frightening? I'm very excited. I was actually thinking that to myself today, like, especially because I have gotten the opportunity to co-op with this company, I kind of know what I'm walking back into. And I'm excited because from the co-op experience, I know the ways that I was challenged. I know the feedback that I received and I know the ways that I can improve going back, especially having the time to, you know, read things like the books I was mentioning to learn more about business that I may not have known while I was um, in the co-op. But what excites me most is just, again, the opportunity to learn and develop and just work with different people. It was always so exciting. And I just can't express it enough how fun it really is to me to be in the consulting world, just because, again, you have the opportunity to work with different teams, different people. On my last project, when I was at PwC, I was working with a team in Ukraine, Morocco, Mexico, and just different places. And there was one point when the whole VP of the North America supply chain came to the office. And because I had directly communicated with this person on different phone calls to develop you know, different things that we were working on, when that person came to the office, they were like, oh, is LaTanya here? I'd love to meet LaTanya in person. And at the time, he didn't even know that I was an intern rolling off the project, you know, in that same month. So just again, the opportunity to meet people from all different backgrounds and parts of the world and different statuses, it's pretty exciting. But I would say for me personally, what I look forward to the most is, again, just the challenge of every day coming to work to learn something new and get it done. Consulting can be stressful, and it was an adjustment at first for sure. But again, what excites me the most is the opportunity to take everything that I've learned along the way and, you know, things that we're discussing in this podcast. And also the fact that I know what my end goal is. You know, when you know your end goal, it helps you to be able to be much more purposeful in the day to day. So just making sure that every day when I'm going to work, if I have some downtime, and I have some time to, you know, go out to lunch with somebody or, or have a coffee with somebody on my team, I can bear in mind the things that I really will ultimately like to get out of this experience, which isn't just the things that I'll learn and do every day as a, you know, associate consultant, but rather, again, the opportunity to just expand my network and meet people who may or may not be interested in the same things as me and just, you know, figure out what's next. 
I would say that there's no necessary timeline just because um, PwC, fortunately, to my knowledge or from what I've seen, is a place where you have the opportunity to learn, grow, move around, move up, and, and just do whatever you like. And so I feel already comfortable and excited for what my career at PwC alone will be, whether short term or long term. But beyond that, I'm also just, again, excited because this time around, I know what my purpose is. It's not just about like every day waking up and hoping that I'm going to get an offer at the end, but rather, you know, bringing my full self to work and, you know, going after the larger goals that I have for myself. So, yeah. And then what scares you? What scares me? Well, it's funny. It used to scare me every day. Like, oh my God, what if I don't get an offer? Like I said, that was always like a screaming thing in the back of my head. But I would say now what scares me is just maybe not making an impact that I would like or not being received the way that I would like. I know that outside of just work things at PwC, I'm really interested in getting involved in, of course, the things that I mentioned I was passionate about, which is helping with underserved communities. I know that they do a lot of outreach or there's opportunity to do outreach both for kids in the recruiting realm when it comes to recruiting talent from schools and just being able to be involved there. So what I'm saying is what scares me is not having the time to make the impacts that I'd like to, whether in that space with the company and being able to use my voice and help them to bring on the change that they're looking to have when it comes to diversity or when it comes to working with kids or just office culture, whatever the case may be. I feel that's something I'm passionate about when it comes to PwC. But then again, outside of work, knowing that I have all of these ideas, knowing that I want to start a business, knowing that you know I have aspirations of being able to travel and be a motivational speaker and talk to kids and and just inspire. You know, I know that there's so many things that I want to do. So I guess a fear that I have is just not being able to do it because I'm so busy with work. Because again, consulting is a huge time commitment. It's a very strenuous job, I would say, as far as, you know, deadlines, communication and having to travel usually. So it can be demanding. And so I would say that the biggest fear that I have is, again, just not being able to make the impact within the company that I would like to, because there's a need for people like me to make a difference. And I know this only because while I was there, I was going to different events for diversity and inclusion. And I just realized like, hmm, there's some work to be done. And so I feel like it would, I would feel limited if I weren't able to pursue that at work. But I I would feel even more just disappointed or frustrated or just, you know, feeling that my passions were being put to the back burner if there wasn't any time at all for me to pursue other things that interest me when it comes to my career or the things that I'm passionate about. So I always say that's, that's that. Cause if you don't have that passion, if you can't have, again, just the thing that makes you passionate and be able to do something for it every day, then you kind of become a robot because it's just like, ah, I'm not doing what I really, really, really want to do. So that I would say is just the biggest fear because when it comes to work and improving and learning and growing, that's fine. But it's when I feel that I can't be myself, I can't do what I want to do that I feel inhibited or I start to 
feel frustrated. And so I would say a fear would just be, again, to just not be able to balance those things and not be able to have those things. What are you doing right now to address that fear of balance? Yeah, I would say for one, it's again, just having that intention. I know that even in just the time that I was co-oping here in the Boston office, I was able to do some of the things that I'm mentioning or be involved in some of the ways that I wanted to. And so that makes me at least encouraged to know that there's a space for it. There's already a framework laid out with PwC as far as being able to do those things. It's just, I guess, since I'm moving to the Atlanta office, it would just be, again, being in touch with the right people to kind of pick up where I left off or not just that, but get involved with, you know, different recruiting efforts or efforts of that nature in the Atlanta office, which I feel that that's definitely possible. So it's one, just, again, having the intention and staying in touch with what it is that I want. Two, I guess it's not something that I could prepare for, but, you know, closed mouths don't get fed. So one thing that has to happen is you have to be able to speak up and let people know what it is that you want to do. I kind of just spilled the beans that, you know, I co-opt in Boston, but I'm starting full-time in Atlanta. That's not typical for a co-op. Normally you start full-time where you do your internship or your co-op. But again, because I visited the Atlanta office and kind of communicated, you know, I, I went to school in Atlanta, I'm from the South. It just kind of became apparent, like, if Latanya is going to start full-time, she's probably going to want to go to the Atlanta office. So even though it was never something that I explicitly asked for, because again, this is the same person who was just hoping that I got an offer to begin with. It was, you know, just being vocal about, I saw myself living in the South or I see myself wanting to do these things. You know, the more that you can express what you want out of life to people who are in the position to make that happen, the more likely that it will happen. I mean, even me being on this podcast right now, like, Shy knows me. Shy knows that this is something that I would have loved to do. So again, it's not necessarily something that I could prepare for, but I know that I'm willing to advocate for myself and ask for the things that I want or am interested in, even when it comes to work-life balance. And, you know, the other fear that I mentioned as far as not being able to do things outside of work, I remember that was a challenge at first. And then it just became apparent to me like, okay, well, nobody's going to know that you're unhappy or nobody's going to know that you're struggling with this unless you bring it to their attention. So whether it's saying, you know, I really want to go to the gym every day, or I want to go to the gym during the week. And I feel like I don't have time for that. You know, having your manager or whoever give you the advice, like, okay, well, maybe you should try to go in the mornings. Or if it's because we're traveling, okay, well, on these two days, we can try to make sure that you're done by, you know, X time. So Again, it's just communicating whatever it is that you need or want. And then lastly, I would just say, again, arming myself with information, like Googling things. Anytime that I get an idea that pertains to something that I want from the businesses or apps or ideas that I have in the future, I'll write it down because I'll have a great idea in Starbucks one day. And it's not something that I want to act on in that very moment, but it's definitely something that I need to hold on to. So I would just say documenting my ideas while also pursuing information that I need to continue towards those next steps. So So the final question that I have for my guests is what resources do they look for for guidance? Now, obviously, people bring up people, right? Being around family and friends. You mentioned that as well. But 
what are three resources that you specifically look for for guidance that aren't necessarily people? It could be related to consulting, you know, motivation, belief, journaling, meditation, whatever it is. I definitely would say for one, LinkedIn. And I don't know if, if that's kind of cheating my way into using people, but LinkedIn, it's a powerful resource because not only are you able to see what peers are doing with their own careers, but you know, there's also lots of articles that are posted there or just updates of things that are going on. So I feel like as far as staying in the forefront, it's important to be plugged in on LinkedIn. Anytime you meet somebody, add them on LinkedIn. So I would definitely say I use LinkedIn for guidance as to what can I possibly be doing next. Again, just staying plugged in. I like getting my morning emails from the morning brew or just paying attention to the news. I think that's good for guidance. And finally, again, I would have to say just books or, or magazines. There's so many books or magazines. I feel like if you took the time to read you know, maybe a magazine article or something on LinkedIn every day, listen to a podcast every day, read a book every month, you will probably be the next Bill Gates. I don't know. But if you take advantage of all the resources that are available to you, starting with this podcast, you'll be well on your way. Sweet. We'll end with that. Um, Any final words of motivation for our listeners? I think the biggest thing is just Again, close mouths, do not get fed. Do not be afraid to advocate for yourself. You know, who's going to do it but you? Another point that you made earlier is that iron sharpens iron. So being around the right people, being positioned in the right place to act on your purpose is probably the most powerful thing that you can do. So one, don't be afraid to speak up for yourself. Two, position yourself in the right places around the right peers to make it to the next step. And just don't give up on yourself. There's a lot of people who will give up on you or your ideas. But the last thing that you can do is give up on yourself. So that's what I'd say. Sweet. We'll end with those words of positivity. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Latonya. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. I really enjoyed being able to just talk. If you can't tell, I like to talk. Yeah. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care.